section ninety two of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter eighty seven while jorian was putting on his doublet and jerkin to go to peter's tomb his tongue was not idle they used to call him a magician out seven bergen way and they do say he gave em a touch of his trade at parting told him he saw margaret's lad a-coming down rhine in brave clothes and store o money but his face scarred by foreign glaive and not altogether so many arms and legs as a went away with but dear heart naught came aunt margaret is still wearying for her lad and peter he lies as quiet as his neighbours not but what she hath put a stone slab over him to keep him where he is as you shall see he put both hands on the edge of the grave and was about to raise himself out of it but the friar laid a trembling hand on his shoulder and said in a strange whisper how long since died peter brant about two months why and his daughter buried him say you nay i buried him but she paid the fee and reared the stone then but he had just one daughter margaret no more leastways that he owned two then you think margaret is is alive think why i should be dead else riddle me that alas how can i you love her no more than reason being a married man and a father of four more sturdy knaves like myself nay the answer is she saved my life scarce six weeks agone now had she been dead she couldn't hey kept me alive bless your heart i couldn't keep a thing on my stomach nor doctors couldn't make me my joan says tis time to buy thee a shroud i dare say so tis says i but try and borrow one first in comes my lady this margaret which she died three years ago by your way aunt opens the windows makes em shift me where i lay and cures me in the twinkling of a bedpost but with what there pinches the shoe with the scurviest herb and out of my own garden too with sweet fever few a uh, herb quotha tis a weed leastways it was a weed till it cured me but now whene'er i pass my hunch i doff bonnet and says i fly service to ye why how now father you look wondrous pale and now you are red and now you are white why what is the matter what in heaven's name is the matter the surprise the joy the wonder the fear gasped clement why what is it to thee art thou of kin to margaret brant nay but i knew one that loved her well so well her death nigh killed him body and soul and yet thou sayest she lives and i believe thee jorian stared and after a considerable silence said very gravely father you have asked me many questions and i have answered them truly now for our lady's sake answer me but two did you in very sooth know one who loved this poor lass where clement was on the point of revealing himself but he remembered jerome's letter and shrank from being called by the name he had borne in the world i knew him in italy said he if you knew him you can tell me his name said jorian cautiously his name was gerard eliason 
oh but this is strange stay what made thee say margaret brant was dead i was with gerard when a letter came from margaret van eyck the letter told him she he loved was dead and buried let me sit down for my strength fails me foul play foul play father said jorian i thank heaven for sending thee to me ay sit ye down ye do look like a ghost ye fast overmuch to be strong my mind misgives me methinks i hold the clue to this riddle and if i do there be two knaves in this town whose heads i would fain batter to pieces as i do this mould and he clenched his teeth and raised his long spade above his head and brought it furiously down upon the heap several times foul play you never said a truer word in your life and if you know where gerard is now lose no time but show him the trap they have laid for him mine is but a dull head but whiles the slow hound puzzles out the scent go to and i do think you and i hey got hold o two ends a one stick and a main foul one jorian then after some of those useless preliminaries men of his class always deal in came to the point of the story he had been employed by the burgomaster of turgu to repair the floor of an upper room in his house and when it was almost done coming suddenly to fetch away his tools curiosity had been excited by some loud words below and he had lain down on his stomach and heard the burgomaster talking about a letter which cornelis and sybrant were minded to convey into the place of one that a certain hans membling was taking to gerard and it seems their will was good but their stomach was small so to give them courage the old man showed them a drawer full of silver and if they did the trick they should each put a hand in and have all the silver they could hold in well father continued jorian i thought not much on't at the time except for the bargain itself that kept me awake mostly all night think on't next morning at peep of day who should i see but my masters cornelis and sybrant come out of their house each with a black eye oh ho says i what yon hands hath put his mark on you well now i hope that is all you have got for your pains didn't they make for the burgomaster's house i to my hiding-place at this part of jorian's revelation the monk's nostril dilated and his restless eye showed the suspense he was in well father continued jorian the burgomaster brought them into that same room he had a letter in his hand but i am no scholar however i've got as many eyes in my head as the pope hath and i saw the drawer opened and those two knaves put in each a hand and draw it out full and saints in glory how they tried to hold more and more and more a yon stuff and sybrant he had daubed his hand in something sticky i think twas glue and he made shift to carry one or two pieces away a stick into the back of his hand he <laughs> he tis a sin to laugh so you see luck was on the wrong side as usual they had done the trick but how they did it that methinks will never be known till doomsday go to they left their immortal jewels in yon drawer where they got a handful of silver for them the devil had the worst o yon bargain there father that is off my mind often i long to tell it some one but i durst not to the women or margaret would not have had a friend left in the world for those two black-hearted villains are the favourites tis always so have not the old folk just taken a brave new shop for them in this very town in the hoog strait there may you see their sign a gilt sheep and a lambkin a brace of wolves sucking their dam would be nigher the mark and there the whole family feast this day oh tis a fine world what not a word holy father you sit there like stone and have not even a curse to bestow on them those stony-hearted miscreants 
what was it not enough the poor lad was all alone in a strange land must his own flesh and blood go and lie away the one blessing his enemies had left him and then think of her pining and pining all these years and sitting at the window looking adown the street for gerard and so constant so tender and true my wife says she is sure no woman ever loved a man truer than she loves the lad whose villains have parted from her and the day never passes but she weeps salt tears for him and when i think that but for those two greedy lying knaves yon winsome lad whose life i saved might be by her side this day the happiest he in holland and the sweet lass that saved my life might be sitting with her cheek upon her sweetheart's shoulder the happiest she in holland in place of the saddest oh i thirst for their blood the nasty sneaking lying codging cowardly heartless bowless how now the monks started wildly up livid with fury and despair and rushed headlong from the place with both hands clenched and raised on high so terrible was this inarticulate burst of fury that jorian's puny ire died out at sight of it and he stood looking dismayed after the human tempest he had launched while thus absorbed he felt his arm grasped by a small tremulous hand it was margaret brant he started her coming there just then seemed so strange she had waited long on peter's tombstone but the friar did not come so she went into the church to see if he was there still she could not find him presently going up the south aisle the gigantic shadow of a friar came rapidly along the floor and part of a pillar and seemed to pass through her she was near screaming but in a moment remembered joyan's shadow had come in so from the churchyard and tried to clamber out the nearest way she did so but with some difficulty and by that time clement was just disappearing down the street yet so expressive at times is the body as well as the face she could see he was greatly agitated jorian and she looked at one another and at the wild figure of the distant friar well said she to jorian trembling well said he you startled me how come you here of all people is this a time for idle chat what said he to you he has been speaking to you deny it not girl as i stand here he asked me whereabout you were buried in this churchyard ah i told him nowhere thank heaven you were alive and saving other folk from the churchyard well well the long and the short is he knew thy gerard in italy and a letter came saying you were dead and it broke thy poor lad's heart let me see who was the letter written by oh by the demoiselle van eyck that was his way of it but i up and told him nay twas neither demoiselle nor dame that penned yon lie but gisbrecht von Sweiten and those foul knaves cornelis and sybrandt these changed the true letter for one of their own i told him as how i saw the whole villainy done through a chink and now if i have not been and told you oh cruel cruel but he lives the fear of fears is gone thank god ay lass and as for thine enemies i have given them a dig for yon friar is friendly to gerard and he has gone to eli's house methinks for i told him where to find gerard's enemies and thine and now but he will give them their lesson if ever a man was mad with rage is yon he turned black and white and parted like a stone from a sling girl there was thunder in his eye and silence on his lips made me cold a did oh jorian what have you done cried margaret quick quick help me thither for the power is gone all out of my body you know him not as i do oh if you had seen the blow he gave gisbrecht and heard the frightful crash come save him from worse mischief the water is deep enow but not bloody yet come her accents were so full of agony that jorian sprang out of the grave and came with her huddling on his jerkin as he went but as they hurried along he asked her what on earth she meant i talk of this friar and you answer me of gerard man you see you not this is gerard this 
gerard what mean ye i mean yon friar is my boy's father i have waited for him long jorian well he has come to me at last and thank god for it o oh, my poor child quicker jorian quicker why thou art as mad as he stay by st bavon yon was gerard's face twas naught like it yet somehow twas it come on come on let me see the end of this the end how many of us will live to see that they hurried along in breathless silence till they reached hoog straight then jorian tried to reassure her you are making your own trouble said he who says he has gone thither more likely to the convent to weep and pray poor soul o oh, cursed cursed villains did not you tell him where those villains bide ay that i did then quicker o oh, jorian quicker i see the house thank god and all the saints i shall be in time to calm him i know what i'll say to him heaven forgive me poor catherine tis of her i think she has been a mother to me the shop was a corner house with two doors one in the main street for customers and a house door round the corner margaret and jorian were now within twenty yards of the shop when they heard a roar inside like as of some wild animal and the friar burst out white and raging and went tearing down the street margaret screamed and sank fainting on jorian's arm jorian shouted after him stay madman know thy friends but he was deaf and went headlong shaking his clenched fists high high in the air help me in good jorian moaned margaret turning suddenly calm let me know the worst and die he supported her trembling limbs into the house it seemed unnaturally still not a sound jorian's own heart beat fast a door was before him unlatched he pushed it softly with his left hand and margaret and he stood on the threshold what they saw there you shall soon know End of section ninety two